all start off with these wild dreams of kids, dreams of who we want to become, what we want to create, what we want to achieve. And some of us keep having those dreams. But for most of us, something happens and we end up not taking the path of fulfilling our dreams. Something gets in our way and instead we end up taking the very traditional path of get a degree, get a job, and then keep climbing the career ladder. Now, this path makes sense because you know, of culture, society, and security, right? With culture, you're like, if I don't go to college, my mom will kill me. Or society may be that, oh, you know, someone might tell you you're working on that thing and it's not doing anything. That's a waste of time. And in general, society is always trying to take us down a more traditional path. And with security, I mean, you just need money to pay the bills and pursuing your dreams may not uh, be a financially secure route. So for some people, the traditional path works and they love it. But for others, they go down the traditional path and they're left wishing they went down another path. So enter Farza, my guest today, and his company, BuildSpace. Farza created BuildSpace to give an alternate path to the dreamers, and they are building the Hogwarts for builders and dreamers. In other words, BuildSpace is a school for people that don't just want to get a job. It's a place where you can figure out what you're passionate about, create something you love working on, and then learn how to turn that creation into a financially sustainable path you can pursue full time. And the end goal is people working full time on their creation sustainably. That means teaching you how to figure out how to make money, raise money, get government grants or whatever you need to make it sustainable. And so the basic way BuildSpace works is that they have a collection of what they call builds. And each build is a sort of guided course or project within a specific domain, such as Web3 or AI. For example, they have a build on how to use GPT-3 and build a simple website that uses GPT-3. I've actually gone through that build and I've learned more from a couple hours of doing that build than from any of the content I've consumed on AI and GPT-3. So BuildSpace was started in 2019, and they've pivoted 10 times since then. But now with what they're doing, they've become extremely prolific. They have over 125,000 people that have built something using BuildSpace. Thousands have attended their uh, IRL events, and some have even started multi-million dollar agencies, found co-founders, and even gotten funded for their startups. Now, BuildSpace recently raised $10 million at a $100 million valuation from A16Z and many others. And the crazy part is that the platform is free to use because they're profitable off their sponsorship model, which means that companies that want more awareness around their tools, such as OpenAI, will sponsor their builds. So a lot to digest here in this conversation. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into the conversation with Farza. Farza, welcome to the show, man. Good to have you here. What's up? What's up? <laughs> so we are in Founders Inc. Pretty, pretty spectacular place. What is what does this space mean to you? Uh, this place started technically three years ago at Furcon's house with five of us working on our own our own random ass projects. He threw a hackathon one day. It was December 2019. <clears throat> and uh yeah, like the five companies that started that day are now valued at almost half a billion dollars and are we're now putting together this stuff. So it's like Founders Inc. to me is the story. It's the story of uh, of us. And uh, that's why I come here. To yeah. Be honest. Yeah, that's what makes it so interesting to me. Otherwise, it's just 
it's just a space with a bunch of chairs and a nerd, a bunch of nerds on computers. So not that special. That's in many places. But I think the story is what matters here. It's a story that's very different uh, than any other. What, what is the magic in the story that makes this place so special in your mind? It's just like I'm involved in it. It's like I'm a character in the story. And mm-hmm. um, that's why that's the main thing. Otherwise, yeah, I could just go to a WeWork. Otherwise, I could just start my own little space of people working together on stuff. But it's it's not the same. Right. It's like. Uh, you want to be part of things where, you know, you're a character in the story. You're not just like, you're not just like floundering on the side. Like, but I think everybody here, even new people coming in all the time, they feel like characters being added to a show almost. And I think it's really fun to, to think about that. Like we're all just characters in the show. Hmm. And uh, it's a fun way. It's not like a comedy show. It's not like to put anything down. It's just, is like, it an anime to me? Honestly, life, I, 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 I think a lot about that. I know there's there's a big distinction between like fiction and like nonfiction, but man, when I think about my own life, I always I don't think about my life as an anime, but I get so much inspiration and motivation from just thinking about myself as being a character in in, in an anime. Like it makes it so stupidly simple. Hmm. Where like I am just like I'm Naruto or I am whoever, right? It makes it so simple because life is so complicated. And in a TV show that's fictional, it's like, it's so simple. It's a 13-year-old boy that wants to become a leader of the ninjas. Like, so dumb, so simple. But it's fun to think about it, you know, if you're a character. Hmm. And uh, do you like to portray yourself as a type of character in the narrative? Like, are you the villain, the protagonist? No, no, I don't think about too much like that. I'm just myself. (laughs) I'm always myself unapologetically. And um, I just get a lot of learnings from seeing these stories, basically. Like, But I, I don't... I, I don't consider myself any type of character or trying to be any type of character. I'm just the, the character I am as far as the, like, that's me. That's who mm. I am. Um, mm. I'm not like villain, protagonist, hero, a world saver. I'm just another random human that was born onto this earth. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing special, to be honest. Yeah. You seem to have a very authentic um, perception of yourself and like being authentic to yourself. Do you feel like you were always that way or? No, no I was uh, always emulating for a long time. And I think when you emulate for so long, you, you begin to see the problems. Hmm. So it's like, you know, when I was a kid, I was like uh, running, a, running a solid e-commerce business when I was like 14. And I was like, Jeff Bezos is the man. <laughs> and uh, I would like read all his stuff, read all his, watch his videos and all this shit. I was this big Jeff Bezos fan. And uh and then you go down this route as a 14-year-old where you're like, oh, what does he eat in the morning? What time does he wake up? What time does Bill Gates sleep? Like all this mm. shit, right? Like, what is what do these people read? And you start to emulate. And I think once you emulate long enough, you realize you see the problems. Like you're not, you're no, you're no longer yourself. You are this weird hodgepodge of like other people that you thought were interesting that were only you only thought were interesting because of their accolades. And I don't know, that's not what matters. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I emulated a lot. For sure, a long time, but I think uh, maybe five years ago, like really started truly realizing that that's not the way. Was there a specific experience or turning point that made you realize that, or how'd you break out of that pattern of emulating others? It's tough. We grow up. A lot of people listening to this, even me, like even a lot of people here, like they probably look up to like a lot of the specific people, right? Hmm. And I have no, I don't really believe in looking up to anyone. I believe like respecting everybody, right? But it's hard how you break out of it. It's it's your own personal journey. But I think it's realizing that you'll never... To me, it was very specific. It was just, if I want to make things that are cool, that mm-hmm. I think are really interesting, I can't continue going down this route of emulating. Because then I'll just be making stuff that 
the other person would think is cool. You know, a lot of founders actually come up trying to emulate Steve Jobs mm. straight up. Like, uh, I guarantee you, like 90% of founders, they probably watch the Steve Jobs talk and try to talk like Steve Jobs, like actually. <laughs> and, you know, you realize that, okay, like, are you trying to be Steve Jobs? Or like, is the thing that you would do yourself that was inspired by Steve Jobs better? Could it be better? And the answer is always going to be yes. The thing that you do will always be better um, than what the, than emulating what the other person does. Now, maybe it's not like, statistically better some people may like yo the steve jobs talk is way better than your talk right but mm -hmm. you will feel a lot better about it like long term because imagine you're doing this for 10 years because i've been building i've been i've been building that for almost 13 years like stupid amount of time at this point i'm just, and and i think i've been able to go so long because i'm not exhausting myself trying to like pursue mm. someone else's path i'm just like I wake up in the morning and I know exactly that I'm doing the thing that I want to do. So it's not exhausting me, you know? Yeah. Imagine waking up every morning, like trying to build a billion dollar company. Like imagine how exhausting mentally, like, why are you trying to chase that? Like, yeah. unless that's truly who you are, which that's not who I am. Now, I don't know. Like when people say things like that, like they want to build a billion dollar company. I, I don't really know if they're, if that's who they are. Um, usually if I have like a 10 minute conversation with them, I realize, oh, you're actually doing this for another reason. There's something and, uh, deeper. There's there. something deeper there. It's yeah. not just the money. Uh, the billion dollar company thing is cool too. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure we'll get there. But yeah. No doubt. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is like, uh, initially I I had, I was very extrinsically motivated myself, like just wanting like a lot of money, but I didn't realize there was something deeper until like I actually dug deeper yeah. and tried to identify what was there. But I think what you're saying is really important because um, if you're truly authentic to yourself, then you're, that's like the greatest source of energy you could have, right? If it comes from within you, then it's almost like whatever comes within you is a source of energy that is expressing itself. So yep. I think that makes it really, really powerful and really important in anything that you do. Yeah. Otherwise you're just going to keep, you know, you'll never break the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you'll just keep hitting it over and over again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Plus, and what you said that you have to uh, really be authentic if you want to create something truly of your own rather than someone else's, uh, living someone else's path. And they always say the game is this is a long-term game, right? I think the the art of creation is a very long-term game. And we always hear it, right? Like, you better be signed up for like the 20-year long journey. And it's like, yeah, yeah, for sure. But like, no one tells you how to get through that journey ever. No one ever talks about it, to be honest. They're all just like, you got to like, have the grit and it's like what does that even mean <laughs> it's like well what it means it's different for everybody but yeah it means to me it's what it, what it means to me is very different from what it may mean to you what it may mean to like another great entrepreneur or another great artist creator um to christopher nolan to porter robinson to all these different creators of the world like it means something different to them yeah yeah we're, we're gonna get back to that on i think that's a really important topic of like how do you get, it's not just like a 20 year journey. How do you actually get through it? And I think that's the beauty and magic of building the actual doing yeah. it. One thing I'm curious about firstly though, is you mentioned you started your first company at 14. What the hell were you doing building a company at 14? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually the exact time was 13. I still remember I 13. was 13. It was uh, right after my birthday. I still remember the very quick TLDR or the quick story is that I got a job at a local gym spinning a sign out on the road. Hmm. So 13 year old me was happy, right? I was like $11 an hour spinning a sign in front of a gym. Amazing. Like I was so happy. And I go to my dad and my dad's just straight like angry, disappointed and angry. Like, why would you ever do something like that? Like you you can do so much better. 
Hmm. And and I don't know, he didn't let me get a job. To this day, he's mad if I get a job. Like, he just never let me. And um, Was he an entrepreneur as he well? He was not, he was no. not. I think my dad was very much, uh, at the time especially, like, just sick of working for somebody else. Oh, he okay. hated it. Hmm. And um, he didn't want, He, I think he saw me going down that path with this, the gym spin thing, <laughs> uh, the spinning sign thing. So he was like, no, 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 no. And I was so mad. I remember, still remember being so, so mad. I was like, man, I just want to buy McDonald's and go to the movies. Like, why can't you let me do this? Like, you're not giving me money. Um, I had like a $10 a month, a week allowance at the time. And I was like, I can't do much for this. I, I can make so much more. But then a uh, couple months later, my mom and dad are in their room. Still remember exactly the scene. I walk in, my mom and dad are assorting clothes and um, uh, they're, they're giving clothes away to charity, right? It was mm. like that yearly cleaning type thing where it's like, let's all the old clothes that we, ha we had that don't fit us, whatever it is, let's give it to charity. And I saw this big ass bag of clothes and I started looking through it and I was like, yo, is this a Polo Ralph Lauren shirt? And 13 year old me knows that Polo Ralph Lauren costs like at least $20 at Macy's. Like I had enough brain cells then to think about that. And then I just thought, okay, I'm just gonna sell it. Like I'll just sell this for 10 bucks. And I was like, Papa, can I take this? And he's like, yeah, take it. And I took the whole bag. <laughs> and then um, I still remember I sold that for a shirt, Polo Ralph Lauren shirt, $9 on eBay, $7.99 or $8.99, whatever it was. And uh, I sold it. And I lost ten dollars selling it because of the fees and the shipping i didn't know what i was doing but <laughs> i remember like from there it was pretty obvious to me like okay like i am not allowed to get a job that sucks but i can just do this and this is actually way more fun like so much more fun and i can uh and yeah from there just it just expanded just yeah it just it just grew like a lot there's a lot we can go down there but tldr by like in the next two years like it got i got to like a hundred thousand dollar a year business like really quickly Hmm. which was insane, insane for a 14 year old to be doing that. And at the time I didn't know what I was doing, but it, I didn't even know how, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing insane. But when I look back upon that, I was like, damn, that's crazy. Like 70% margin business, hundred K a year, like 120, 130K a year, like revenue. Like that's pretty fun, man. Pretty next level. Yeah. yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Did that give you like heighten up your ego or make you feel like you thought you knew what you were doing? No, never. Cause I didn't, um, I was never in it for the gain. I was never in it for the gain of, like barely anybody knew, knew what I was doing. Mm. I think only my, my dad barely knew what I was doing. But to be honest, looking back, nobody knew what I was doing other than me. Of course, my mom kind of knew, my dad kind of knew. I was like out here sh shipping like 40 packages a day sometimes. And uh, myself, like just like wrapping them. So obviously something's happening. Mm. But no one really knew except me, to be honest. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's where it all stemmed from. Yeah. Um, you talk a good amount, not only here, you mentioned your your father having certain expectations, but also on uh, Twitter, you mentioned like uh, you're having this like 11-11 reveal and your dad's like, oh, will this finally put you over Elon Musk? <laughs> um, so I'm curious, like what, how did the expectations of your parents, like how did that influence you or take you to where you are today? Yeah, I mean, if you have a Asian parent listening to this, like you probably know, like you'll never reach the expectations of your of your Pakistani father or your, you know, I think uh, uh, people who are Indian also very similar. But yeah, I mean, you have like, uh, when you have that kind of upbringing, it's, it, it, you'll, you'll never reach. Hmm. It'll always keep getting bigger, right? Like once you do good once, you'll have to do even better the second time. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it can be exhausting in many ways. But if you, looking back, like I was never a, uh, it was never done in a way that was bad. Like my parents did a great job, like in terms of that, like they were always trying to push me in the right ways. Yeah. yeah. It was never like exhausting, like, ah, oh, I'll never make my father proud type thing. I was more just like, oh yeah, he's right. Like this could be a little bit better.
And like, my, I remember my dad would be like, yo, so how much is it doing this month? And I'll be like, 4,000. He's like, why isn't it doing 5,000? <laughs> and I know he'll be like, what can we change? Like, what, what, what's, what's, what's doing good? And, you know, my dad barely knew what I was doing, but he would, even to this day, he does this. I'll he knew like, the numbers. <laughs> I'll be like, yo, yo, father, you know, we made 2 million this quarter or whatever it is. And he'll be like, you know, how does that happen again next quarter though? And it's like, that's like, that's like his, his style. Hmm. So it works out. Yeah. Was wow. Cool. And then yeah. my mom was very different. She was just like, always happy. <laughs> she was always like, oh my God, he's doing things. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's go. Yeah. And he's that, getting A's. That's all. That, that's, let's go. That's a funny balance to have to deal with. Dad's never happy. Mom is like always cheering you on and happy. <laughs> no, nah, I think it was good balance. It worked out. I think it all worked out. Also, because I was so um, motivated just myself on just, I was motivated for, purely for myself. Like I had nothing else. There was no like outside factor that motivated me really other than just like, I wanted to mainly impress myself. Like yeah. the thing that I do would just be more interesting to me. Because I was so bored. I'm like in a suburb in South Florida. So what is there to do? Start companies. What else would you do other than start a company? <laughs> I didn't even know I was starting a company until I was like 18. I, I didn't even know I was starting a company. Yeah. Like I remember the memory of my dad, like, we should incorporate. And he handled all that when I was like 15. Because I can't do it when I'm 18. And I was like, yo, Papa, I need like a tax ID. Like, what is that? He's like, oh, you need a company. He, he incorporated for me and stuff. And I had a mm -hmm. company now. but And that company stayed alive till 18 until I gave it away to somebody else. But... uh yeah, I had no idea I was starting a company. <laughs> yeah, interesting. So BuildSpace is company number what for you? Is it like four, I think? Yeah, it's tough. Um, in terms of like legitimate company I've spent more than six months on, it is. Let's just say four. I don't know the number. Let's just say four. I've worked on so okay. many things, but let's just let's call it the fourth or fifth one. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, we'll touch on a little bit of the origin of BuildSpace, but I'm curious to hear, um, uh, for those unfamiliar, what, it, what is BuildSpace and why did you create it? Yeah, Bell Space at the can be explained in many ways, but it's a school for people who don't want to get a job. Yeah. Yeah. And we made it because I the non-traditional path. Yeah, the non-traditional path, I suppose. I don't know. I was always just so bummed by my own schooling, by by the whole process. I was always so bummed. And even now as an adult, I'm I'm like bummed looking at my brothers who are like in college or graduated college. And it's like just bummed at that whole path. All these kids. Even me going through these systems that don't really bring us that much happiness or don't really bring us that much enlightenment. And it's like, man, but then I went down such a different path, right? I was always going to school, but like I knew school was nothing. I knew I was doing it because my Asian family will destroy me if I don't go to school, right? Like very, I went to college for a very specific reason, which is mm -hmm. that I knew if I did it, my mom would get really mad. But because uh, I, I was I wasn't supposed to go to college, I was going to work on the company full time because uh, it was bringing me more money than I could want. Um, and then, um, yeah, but that things ended up going differently. Yeah. So you went to college for some time? I went to college. I finished college four years. Wow. Computer science degree. Um, but yeah, very, very specifically specific reason, which is my mom. Satisfied. Parents, my mom, yeah. yeah. Interesting. It's like a very small thing to ask for, to be honest, to, for your son, for me to go to college when I was raised like. You know, it's a very small thing. It's probably good that you went to college in the sense that you were able to identify how maybe, uh, I'm assuming here, how broken the system was and maybe like what was not great about it. Because in theory, you, you're you not an education company, but you are educating people through building. So yeah. you saw what the existing options were and you're like, uh, you know, fuck the status quo, like fuck universities, boot camps, MOOCs, online courses, cohorts. Yeah. I'm going to do my own thing. I think all of these things are good. Like, I think they're all good. 
I think I'm glad I still went through it because I can I, I got a sense of like what made them good and bad. But yeah, they're all good to an extent. Like boot camps are good. Universities are good. Um, going to college is good. But like it's not good for everybody. Like that's the thing. It's good for a subset. It's good for a specific type. Like most 90% of people in college right now shouldn't be in college, in my opinion. I've talked to a lot of university kids, like 18 to 23 year olds. And I'm just like, wow, you sh there's so many other paths for you here. But you chose one. Because that's the path society told you to go down. And I'm so glad I did it. It was fun. I went to a bottom tier university. It was easy. And I, I barely went to school. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, got to do so, I got to do other things I loved uh, at school. It was just, I very specifically picked a bottom university. So I don't have to, I don't have to do anything. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's very tactical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I do feel like a lot of the value of college is the social experience and, and the community around it. You know, I didn't, I didn't get much of that, but... <laughs> <laughs> were you just like super heads down building the whole time? Or? I was heads down, yeah, heads down. Just, um, I don't know how to explain it. I was just 24-7 doing my thing. Um, it was only later in life that I start to like do other things, but zero regrets looking back. I think luckily I didn't, I still developed all right socially, like could have mm -hmm. been better, but no, no regrets looking back. I know a lot of people go to college for like that, the social aspect and the community aspect, but... Mm -hmm. I don't get it, to be honest with you. I was there for four years. Like, it's just a bunch of drinking and parties, like, I guess. Um, and yes, you could find a deeper community at your college, but most of these people don't even know what they're doing to begin with. So, like, it's tough. It's really tough. I only recommend going to college. Like, honestly, the only college where it's, like, true community is, like, the top colleges. Like, yep. I would literally go to Stanford. Hmm. While I'm at my school, I would fly over for some other reason, and I would just go to Stanford for a week. And I was like, oh, my God, like, the people here are just better. Like... Hmm. No, 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 sorry, now the people who are not better, they just seem like there's a higher shot that they know what they're doing. But to be honest, the 18-year-old at Stanford and the 18-year-old at my university, UCF, the same amount of confused, to be honest. But at Stanford, just a higher chance that uh, you may stumble upon that person that truly knows what they're doing. And a much higher chance that you'll stumble upon a faculty member that truly knows what they're doing. Yeah. Because at UCF, eh, there's, there's no faculty member you can look up to. There's one person, though, actually three that I found. But when I went to Stanford, man, oh my God, like it felt like every faculty member was like Pretty nice a magician, level. a magician, you know? So, <laughs> but here in my four years at UCF, I probably had like 40 faculty members I went through. I, I, I studied under it and only three are ones, three are just amazing. And they helped me so much. That can make all the difference, uh, especially when a professor can inspire you in, in remarkable ways. Yeah, for sure. But, but interesting. Okay. So uh, you explained a little high level of um, of build space. What's a concrete example of like how it works, like of the builds, the weekend builds, and things like that? Yeah, so it's like uh, at a concrete level, we offer two majors at build space. You have uh, uh, Web3 and you have machine learning. It's open to all, completely free, and mm -hmm. you just literally pick your major type thing. Like we have a bunch of uh, content pieces that you can go through for both Web3 and machine learning where you actually... Uh, in order to complete the content, you need to actually build and ship something to real people. That's mm. the most important thing. So we're not sitting here teaching you about the math behind machine learning. We will show you that, but we will show you that by having you mm. actually go create a product with machine learning um, that you can iterate upon and make your own because that's where it's exciting. So, And then from there, once you kind of have learned some stuff, or you feel comfortable in that vertical, we'll call it. From there, we have something called nights and weekends. And nights and weekends is where you actually take the things that you learned and use it on an idea that you come up with. Now, this idea could be venture scale. This idea could be for your neighborhood. This idea could just mm. be for you, for fun. Whatever it is, we create 
that six weeks sprint for you where you can actually go from zero to a real idea, like ship to people. And we've seen people now go from zero to getting a job yeah. in six weeks, like by, from something they made to raising $2 million to, to just crazy things. We're running nights and weekends right now. We have a musician there and uh, they want to grow their Spotify base from 400 monthlies to 4,000. Like it's just all about picking the thing that you're truly passionate about using the tools that we gave you and then going off into the wilderness. But yeah, we will always give you that base. But yeah, that's kind of concrete. Just at the end of the day, it's very async content mm. into like a, a more synchronous program, in, which is like, just, just just go do whatever you want. Yeah, interesting. And how is this different from like, um, I don't know, the, your traditional like cohort-based courses maybe is the closest thing or, or a bootcamp. Why would someone want to do this as opposed to like a bootcamp? We have a very clear goal. Our goal is not to get you a job. Our goal isn't to even get you to raise money. Our goal is just for you to figure out what you are excited about and then get you to make progress on that thing you're excited about. Mm -hmm. Like that is our goal. A bootcamp's goal is to get you a job. Like I'm not sitting here trying to teach you JavaScript. I don't give a fuck about JavaScript. Like that's not my goal. I will teach you JavaScript if it means it'll help you increase your user base for that thing you're making, right? But otherwise, I'm not teaching you JavaScript. Yeah, all of those things are like means to an end, like yeah. learning JavaScript and whatnot. Also, work really free. Like that's always been the, from the beginning. It has to be free for everybody. Yeah. And because if it's not, for example, if I, I could charge $10,000 for, for the things that we do, but then all of a sudden that random Pakistani kid can't get involved. Yeah. $10,000 in Pakistan is like a house, dude. It's like crazy. Hmm. So it's like, and sure, for the PM at Google, it's nothing. But for the random 18-year-old in Pakistan, it's everything. So yeah. we wanted to create the system such that anybody could come in and anybody could prove themselves. And a year and a half later, wow, people have truly proven themselves at Build Space. We've seen people from the, the villages of India to like San Francisco build and create some crazy things, all with two simple things, some learning and some culture that, we, that we've created for them. The learning is important, right? But if you think about what a university like Stanford gives you, it's culture. It's about creating that culture, creating that like sense of community without having to necessarily meet each other. If you think about it, like great musicians have this effect. Like Jay-Z has a culture around him. Stanford has a culture around the institution. And I think Bell Space is the same way. We have content. It's good content. It's nothing special, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. Yeah, it's a little bit better than other content, but it's like, no, I don't know. It's, what, it's fine, right? What's special is like that with the culture it's a game changer. It's like Nike shoes are all right. It's just Nike shoes. It's nothing, there's truly nothing special with Nike shoes compared to like an Adidas. But it's like Nike culture means everything to me. Like I'm bought into Nike culture personally. That's yeah, so what it stands for. It's what it stands for. And you have to always balance that. Otherwise, you can't go too much into building culture or too much into building like, you know, content and product. It, like both matter. Hmm. And uh, it's just about balancing it. Because otherwise, as a founder, like you just get distracted. Yeah. And the other thing I think is really important about that is that, you know, usually you want to think about moats, like what makes you different, unique. And I think culture is probably one of the hardest things to copy for anyone to do. The content also a little hard, not as hard, but culture is like, how do you replicate that? You can't just copy paste culture. Yeah. I mean, build space is literally 12 pieces of content on a website. Like, but why does it feel like we're so much more? Hmm. Why? Like, it's probably because uh, of the culture around it, of the people who have taken the message and have made it their own. I think about that a lot. The fact that we're nothing more than 12 pieces of content on a website. It's it, compared to like something like Facebook or, or sorry, not to, not to compare to that, but compared to something else, you know, <laughs> um, something that's much more complex. 
we're not that complex. We're pretty simple and actually kind of stupid, to be honest with you, um, in terms of how much we give or how much we offer. So then uh, from a more concrete perspective, how did you approach building that culture? Like from the very beginning, it seems like easy now that you've cultivated it in a way for it to build on top of that. But day zero, like we have no culture, like no users. How do you build that culture? How do you communicate like thought leadership that creates a culture around what you guys think is important? It's always about being different. Everything that we do, we always ask ourselves from the beginning, why is it different? Why does it feel different? So... Just like a backstory, when I was uh, 14, uh, for four years straight, I made almost two YouTube videos a week. I was obsessed with making content. And I was always obsessed with making content that was better and better and more different than the last time. Mm. And uh, yeah, like that was crazy. Like when you put out 500 videos over like a four-year period, like your brain is just always thinking about how could it be better? How could mm. it be more different? Because otherwise... It's not about getting clicks. I never cared. It was always about like, it just needs to feel better for me. Like I can't just make the same skit 10 times in a row. Like I need to add another element because that's what makes me feel alive, you know? And um, for Build Space, it was pretty often in the beginning. I was like, okay, what we're building is kind of just a course, actually. Nothing, nothing special. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to start the course with a live show. And that live show will be me on Twitch. And I'm going to make it like a big ass thing. And I'm going to tell people about why we're here. I'm going to rally them around this content. And I'm going to make them feel like this content is going to like shift their existence. I believed it too. Like I truly still believe it. Like this content that we've created can shift your existence if you use it properly. And yeah, I mean, so that's like the most direct thing. Like we created that culture by me just standing in front of thousands and thousands every week virtually to do <laughs> it. Like Bill Space has gotten this far because of me in many aspects, just getting in front of people, right? And then I'm like the spokesperson, right? There's so many people, beautiful people of my team under me that is like doing crazy shit. But most people actually know me and they know and they know built, about the Build Space culture because mm. I'm literally there every single week, weekend doing this. Now, not every single weekend, but back then for the first six months, like literally three times a week. A Saturday, I, I used to have one talk and Sunday I had two talks. These aren't talks, by the way. These are kickoffs. So like, Let's fucking go type energy. Yeah, you're like rallying troops for I'm for like Goku. I'm like Goku, <laughs> you know, like bringing the spirit bomb together. Oh, every, shit. And uh, yeah, it takes a lot of energy. And, you know, I'm I'm pretty introverted in terms of like how I like exist. So it was a perfect avenue for me because I'm not the one to go out and meet people and inspire them IRL. I just don't want to. But virtually, so simple for me to get in front of a camera and be like, yo, what's going on? How's it going? I feel like I'm talking to a friend, you know? But if I had like... If I have to like you know, interact with one new person every minute, I can't do it. Or every every hour, like, I can't do it. Was that a trained skill, by the way? Like being able to project this vision, this thought leadership, like rallying troops and things like that? Or no. I don't know. How would you develop the ability to do that? It's just practice. It's just practice. You know, people say I'm a good writer as well. Hmm. Like I used to write a lot. But how did I get good at writing? I just wrote every single week for four years. Like how did I get good at talking in front of a camera or projecting a message? I made over 500 YouTube videos. I made a vlog a week. Like that's, it's very hard to stay the same at a skill when you do it that much. Yeah. Like, so for me, even just speaking, it's not like I trained at it. It's just like, I just did other shit that was fun alongside it. Like I made videos on YouTube and yeah, like you end up getting really good at something. Get the reps right in. Just get the reps in. Yeah. Like, but I never cared about getting better at speaking or getting better at like telling my story or message. I didn't, I don't give a fuck about that stuff. What I cared about was making a funny YouTube video for my friends. And that's all that mattered to me. 
Mm. And to this day, like I don't do anything with the outcome of like hoping that I get better at a specific skill, like never tried. It's always been about, I think I'll get better at that probably. I think I'll, I want to get better at that, but how can I do it in such a way where I'm, I'm going to stick with it for like longer than a year? Mm. That's all. You can only get good skills if you stick with it longer than a year. Like imagine trying to like, yeah, even starting a company, right? Like you got to stick with it at least a year before like you even have a concept of being good or bad at it or knowing what you need to do to get better. So Yeah, I think what can often kill people is the expectation of like, I have to be this good by X date or I need to have blah, blah, blah users by then. Like so it is good to like set milestones, yeah. I think, but uh, that can often... Uh, derail you because the expectations can hinder or, or just cause you to give up entirely. Yeah, to be honest, this is one of the most like kind of toxic mentalities in all of this industry. And I think it's good to have these numbers. You need these numbers, goals and expectations, but you can't let them run your emotional existence. You just can't let them run your life. Yes. Like, yes, put the graph up on your screen and make sure it's growing every week. If it's not growing every week, that doesn't mean you suck. <laughs> like, it just means that what you're doing sucks. So like change what you're doing. And um, yeah, I mean, I've been caught up for years in that loop of just like, I suck. Like this sucks because I suck. And many people just fall right there, right? They'll just be like, fuck it, I can't do this anymore. It's not worth it. I'd rather go and work at Google or I'd rather go and, uh, I don't know, join a company. I can't take the stress. Like, yeah. well, you created the stress. Like you could change it. Like this is, it's not, this game is only as stressful as you make it. Like, hmm. yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I feel like so much of that is the mindset you operate from. Like, I don't know. I, I've had so many challenges in my own founder journey, but stress is not something that comes up just because I'm having so much freaking fun along the process. So I feel like the focus on the joy and, and you talk about this too, of like more so the inputs, focusing on the inputs rather than the outputs yeah. is really where the real thrill uh, and joy and sustainability of it can come and not letting the stress like overwhelm it's you. Just, it's just separating it, just separating yourself from it. Separate the art from the artist. Yeah. Just like, you know, you just can't, if the graph is down, you shouldn't be down. You should be down, but in a different way. Like you're not down mentally. You're just down in the fact of like, oh fuck, like I got to figure a new thing out. And yeah. that's fine. Like you should, you, if you're trying to run a company, the game is to make it b get bigger. But yeah, I just wouldn't make it about yourself because it's not. But honestly, some people, that's how they improve. You know, like they need to, like for me, like it helped, right? Like for me to blame myself because I would get better so much faster. Hmm. So like, but five years of blaming myself, like it, it can take a toll on you, right? Yeah. So it's like. It's not sustainable. Yeah, it's like not sustainable at all. And if you're doing that right now, just know it's not sustainable. I won't mention who, but there was a very prophetic speaker that told me, you got to have the graph in front of you every morning. And if it's down, you should feel bad. And I was like, I listened to that for years. Hmm. And only now, like in the last couple of years, am I like, no, I shouldn't feel bad. I should just feel bad about, I shouldn't feel, I should, I should not feel bad. Now I should deeply analyze what happened that week for that to, to, for that to occur. But emotionally, I'm not attached to this. Logically, extremely attached. And emotional, you can't always remove emotional attachment. But for me, I'm like 90-10. I'm like 10% emotionally attached to everything I do and 90% logically. And as long as I know when I cross 90-10, sometimes I'm 70-30 and I know. And that's when I'm like, gotta take a step back. Gotta, gotta take a day. I fucked up. Like I've already lost because now my emotions are involved. But of course, you can't be emotionless because then you'll create something that is just 
that's just whack. <laughs> yeah, you got to put your heart into it too. And that's what makes it hurt at times when you put your heart into it and it's not working as well as you'd want. But I, again, I think it's the mindset there. It's like, okay, the chart doesn't look very pretty right now, but instead of feeling like a failure or that you suck, it's kind of like, I, I try to think of it from a perspective of curiosity. It's like, oh, well, hmm, what else could I try to, to make yeah. this? So now you frame it more as an opportunity. Yeah. Realistically, what we're talking about is extremely hard to pull off and it will take you three to six years to really get good at. Like just, yeah. just this, just the whole concept of when I look at it, I won't be sad. Yeah. Like this can take you three to six years straight up. Because if you're like, yeah, so it is the right mentality to have. Because honestly, like you're battling with more, more than just yourself. You're battling with society. You go up to your dad and your dad's like, you're still working on that? Like, where is that? How's that going? Hmm. And he... It would be like, uh, well, blah, 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 blah. you know, and it's like now suddenly you're, your dad thinks you're a loser or, you know, you tell your friend and your friend's like, oh, you're still working on that, bro? Like, for real? And it's like, now my friend thinks I'm, and now I'm second guessing myself. Now I'm arguing with my friend that like, nah, bro, like, you don't get it. Like, I'm actually, this is going to make it. And now I feel crazy. Like, I've been through all this, right? And it's like. It's like, it'll, it'll take a while to figure out. Yeah. I mean, your mindset is a muscle, so you have to train it, right? And it is something you have to train constantly until it gets good. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Cool. Like going into a bit of uh, BuildSpace origin and story, I read that you guys pivoted 10 freaking times. <laughs> um, I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about uh, some of those pivots and what was like the thinking behind them? How did you feel at the moment you felt like, got to change like the direction here. Things aren't the way I would want them to be. Yeah. The company started in December, 2019. It was zip homeschool. So it was just me and I was helping people. I was making software for people to launch a homeschool in their state because every state had different laws around homeschooling. So I built a piece of software where it would take your state, take your kids information and then mm. automatically register a homeschool based on that country's or based on that state's laws. And that's what I did. That was the idea. And I came up with the idea like in two days <laughs> and mm -hmm. just made it. And then a day later, I had my first customer. And uh, so all in three days. And then a day later, incorporated the company. And then three months later, I got into YC. And all that changed between, th that's like the origin. And then once I got into YC, I realized I didn't want to keep doing the homeschooling stuff. I don't want to like call out homeschoolers by any means, but my, the users that I had I had gotten enough stories where people were abusing the homeschool system. Hmm. And by the way, homeschooling, by the way, beautiful system, amazing. When I saw homeschooling, I was like, this is a beautiful hack. Like if a child wants to go and pursue their own thing, they can tell their parent about it. If a parent sees that a child is going and wants to do something different, the parent can let them do it. Like what a beautiful hack to just not have to go through public school. Cause I didn't have a great time going through public school or like just school in general growing up as a kid. And um, I was like, what a beautiful hack. And then I saw this hack kind of being abused in some ways. And I was like, ah, uh, that doesn't make me feel that good. And um, that kind of put me off of it. But then also just wasn't growing. Like forgetting that aspect of it completely about like how I felt about it, it just wasn't growing. Like yeah, I, I had like 50 customers in three months. But then I, in month four, I had like 40 customers. It went down, right? So it's like, hmm. it's very obvious to me when things aren't working because the graph just shows me if it's working or not. Like it's not that crazy to me. I, hmm. I know. And then um, once I got into YC, I pivoted completely. I turned it into a TV channel for kids. <laughs> I was like, I looked at all the homeschool parents. I was making curriculum for them, right? So it was like 50 of them. 
And every morning I'd wake up and I'd write math problems. I'd write reading problems. I'd write all these uh, worksheets for them. And that's what I did by, by hand myself for every single student. And I realized like, wow, like this could just be, this could just be a system on its own. And that's how Zip School started. I was like, okay, I'm going to take these worksheets I'm making. I'm going to make them TV shows. I, for example, like I was doing a worksheet around like how rockets work. So my first Zip School show I did was me teaching kids about rockets. Hmm. And it was like on a, it was, it was, it was live streamed, right? And it was me in front of the camera in front of 800, 900 kids teaching them about rockets. Me wearing a lab coat with my mom recording me. I still remember. And it's like, yeah, that's what I did. And I think that's like you pivot when you know. There's many different types of pivots, but that pivot from like Zip homeschool to Zip school, it's just it's just a it's a product pivot. You know, it's not a market pivot. I stayed with the same market for a year and a half. Hmm. I'm very wary of pivoting market. Like that's like the most extreme pivot. Product pivot. It's okay. Like these happen and you should, as long as you think about them logically and why you're doing them, it's fine. So mm -hmm. when I did the product pivot from Zip Homeschool to Zip School, it was actually the same exact audience. It was actually, I was still targeting kids K through five, you know? So that never changed and for a year and a half. But yeah, that's it. Then, then Zip School happened and then kept on going from here. And then after Zip, after that, uh, went through YC, Zip School blew up just like 50,000, 30,000. I forgot the exact number. I think it was like 30, 30,000 MAUs. Like, Hmm. millions of minutes streamed per week with just me and a small team of five teachers that I hired. Wow. Um, and by the way, the company's just me at this point, still in YC at the end of YC. And and I'm just like, and then I had to raise a seed round, right? So I go, I go and raise a seed round as well. And I, we, we raised 2.2 million from AC2&Z um, at, at Demo Day or a little bit before Demo Day. And then, um, and yeah, kind of kept going from there. Hmm. But uh, that was summer 2020, Zip School. Same, same company, by the way, Build Space, same company as Zip School, like same cap table, same, same team, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, you just rebranded. Uh, the crazy thing about this is I remember you were telling me uh, sometime here at uh, Founders Inc. that you were making like 15, 16K a month at the time and you're like, doesn't feel like enough or didn't feel like it was uh, something was still missing. So you still decided to pivot from that. So it sounded like that pivot. It wasn't that like from zip school to build space uh, that it didn't it wasn't because it wasn't working, but because it didn't feel like the opportunity or the way you wanted to fulfill your vision. Yeah, wasn't well, the right zip approach. school after that had a year of pivots. We pivoted for a whole year after that. Mm -hmm. So after zip school, the live TV show system, we actually built a small class system mm -hmm. where you can get in a teach in a, in, a, in a class in a virtual class with a, with a real teacher. I had fifty teachers I hired for that, hmm. um, like all, all part time. And then we realized, oh shit, that's not working. Pivoted to that to a mobile app, a mobile game for kids. Pivoted to that to master class for kids. Pivoted from that to building asynchronous recorded courses for kids. Like there's so much shit, right? Like it never ended. And at the end of it, it was like last year, August of 2021. I looked at it and I was like, I got no more ideas. I straight up have no more ideas. I don't know what to build for kids next. And I think the problem with me became, it became like a emotional problem where it was, I saw the only thing that parents would pay for was math stuff and reading stuff, <laughs> both stuff I didn't care about. Hmm. And I just couldn't think of an idea around math and reading. I couldn't straight up. And uh, I was like, I've exhausted all my ideas. Um, and uh, I also just didn't want to work on math and reading stuff. Like it just wasn't in me. Uh, we tried actually. We tried for a month, but it just didn't. It just it just didn't work out for me. You know, it wasn't a. It, it, it just felt dead inside working on it. And then I was like, okay, I think I'm out of ideas. I think it's time for a market pivot. And that was August of last year, where I was like, fuck it, <laughs> let's just build something for developers. 
I got no, I got no ideas. And honestly, like this is not that deep of an answer for you, but I always follow my kind of like interests. And I was like, what do I think is interesting after this? Uh, people that build products are interesting. Let's go do stuff for people who build products. And then we're like, okay, let's teach developers stuff. And uh, in a single, in a couple of days, I came up with four, um, uh, four ideas around content pieces I wanted to run, self-driving cars, uh, one on machine learning, one on Web3, and one on uh, gaming. And I just sent it out on Twitter, got like 100 signups, and the Web3 one had the most signups. So that's why we did Web3 stuff. That's it. Like nothing that deep. I want, I just literally went to the team. I said, team, I'm done with this. Fuck it. Uh, we're voting for developers now. If you're in, awesome. If you're out, I'm sorry. Um, and then uh, going from there. Interesting. So a lot of interesting things to highlight here. Um, the first being like just choosing something that you, you really cared about and loved and reading and science not being that, which I think is important because so many people Founders, I think, do things to solve a problem that is not their own or that they don't enjoy, even though they could actually be successful. But you kind of have to listen deeply within yourself to see what you enjoy the most. I think I think like the whole solve a problem thing is is really good. It's good. But like, don't let it dictate your ideas. Yeah. Like, I remember when I came up with this idea for Build Space, the whole team was like, what problem does this solve? And to me, I didn't know. I was like... <laughs> But wouldn't it be sick though? That's it. And that's, they didn't get it. I remember I was talking to Alec. I think Alec, God bless his soul. Uh, Alec, Alec's my coworker. And um, I told him about the idea and he was like kind of down. But he's like, I don't really get it. Like, isn't this just a course? Like what's special about it? I was like, no, no, Alec, you don't get it, man. Like, and over time, Alec, you know, got it, right? But in the beginning, it was kind of hard, you know? The whole team was very just like kind of tired after zip school. It was only three of us, by the way, at this time. We're not big. We're three people and uh, or four people total. We're just tired, you know? And um, and uh, we realized that, I realized that I just need to follow what I think is interesting that would bring energy back to me. Because yeah. if that doesn't happen, this company's dead to begin with, if I don't have the energy. And uh, bro, we, we came up with some wild ideas. But yeah, at the end of the day, I just followed what I thought was cool. What I thought, again, I always think about every morning I wake up, and I think about what would be sick and uh, let's do that. Because if that works, that's going to be huge. And if that's huge, that's going to make trillions of billions of dollars. That's yeah. just how it works. You actually have a tweet about this that I'll, I'll read that I love. You said, um, you used to sometimes uh, get so obsessed with solving a problem that you'd lose that childlike, um, just build cool shit soul inside of you. So it's kind of like, that should be the real focus, like finding what it, what is it within yourself that like lights you up whenever you're yep. building it and creating it? Like what gives you the most joy when creating and focus on that. And I feel like because, um, like while, while, when you create things you love, you're really like building something, uh, that likely others will love in the process as well. And I feel like that's core to the building mentality that you also instill in the culture of build space. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, I came up on the YC mentality. And, you know, like the venture startup mentality. I mean, the mentality that all we've been fed today is like, if you don't grow, you're, you're a loser. Um, it has to solve a problem. Um, what's the business plan? Like this sort of stuff, right? Yeah. And all this stuff matters. I promise you it matters. But there's more to it than this. There's a little bit more to it at a deeper level. I promise you solving a problem will not fire you up for 10 years. Like 
Maybe actually that's a lie. Solving a problem that wor that's worth it will fire you up for a while because you'll be helping people and you'll be seeing the results. Right? Especially if you have a connection to the problem. Exactly. But I think the biggest thing is like, don't let it dictate too much whether or not you decide to work on it in the beginning. Hmm. Um, but decide later if it actually is truly, if it needs to solve a problem. Otherwise, it will not become anything. Nike still helps you run better, you know? Like, it still solves a very real problem. Build Space does solve a real problem today. And I think that, like, we just didn't know what it was in the beginning. But we were like, we just pursued, I just pursued what I thought was sick. And um, I just said, team, just trust me. I remember I told the team, just trust me for two weeks. And two weeks, this will show results. And two weeks, it did. And then two weeks after that, it did again. Two weeks after that, it did again. And here we are, a year and a half later. Um, still producing results. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and actually, I've had this problem recently in going through like pivots is that like, I feel like it, whatever we do has to solve a real deep pain point. But there is a group of ideas that would create a lot of value, but it's not necessarily like a deep pain point, right? Like if you, for example, uh, gratitude and spreading gratitude to other people, it's not necessarily solving a super deep pain point, but it's creating a lot of value if you're able to give it and receive it. So I, that's where I've had a doubt in my mind, whether it's like, whether it's okay to not solve a super deep pain point in the beginning, it seems like a riskier thing to do if there's not a deep pain point. Yeah. But I like this thinking of like, if it's sick enough, um, then like you can build like a culture and community around. Yeah. It. It's about time boxing it, right? Like you can only be the it's sick thing will only power you for so long. I'd probably give it like six weeks. But after six weeks, if it's not obvious what this actually does, um, <laughs> you know, like it's 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 tough. You know, like if I'm first making like even with built space, it's very obvious. Like the first six weeks, I had no idea like why, like who cares? But I was like, it'd be so cool if there was like a teacher who got up on Twitch, did a live show, was literally bombastic, had effects behind him. And then there was content that actually helped you ship something by the end. Mm. All that would be so cool. Right, team? And then uh, six weeks later, we looked at that, the results, and people resonated with us. They were like, holy fuck, this is so fun. We had thousands of people in six weeks that went through the process with us. Hmm. And we just asked them, like, hey, like, what's this doing for you? And they're all like, I'm in college. I hate my life. I work here. I hate my life. You guys are showing me a different path. I think I can actually get to a different path thanks to you all now. Wow. Like, you showed me something different. And I was like, okay, like, that's cool. I mean, at that point, six weeks in, the pain point was still, like, very unclear, but it was obvious people were unhappy, education that we were providing them gave them a path to figure out what they truly wanted to do in life. Wow. And I think like, that's still very broad. And every single six weeks, it just gets a little a little bit clearer, right? But I mean, to be honest, if we started BuildSpace and I thought about what problem does it solve, I would have never worked on BuildSpace. I remember I asked my YC partner about it and they were like, what problem does it solve? Like, what does it do? And I was questioning myself so much. I was like, fuck, I don't, I don't have any more ideas. Like, I truly don't have any more ideas. I'm just going to do this. Fuck all this. I don't know what I'm doing. And we just did it. And I said, fuck it, let's just do this. But yeah, it's obvious. It's just crazy to think that this thing that's deeply affected tens of thousands of people in the last, in the last whatever, it just would have never happened if I just didn't follow my heart in a way. Yeah, just crazy. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's a good thinking of like time boxing it because if you build something sick, 
Like in the end, you do have to solve a problem, but by building something sick, you attract a certain type of energy and people. And from that, what you did is you identified what was the main problem that they had, which is like, oh, I want to do this alternative path. And that kind of became the guiding light of the company. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. No, yeah. It's a very much a stepwise process. You can't, uh, yeah, just don't let the modern day media of just like startups and essays and books dictate like how you think about this stuff. Really follow your heart in the beginning, especially in the beginning. Like I see people overcomplicate it all the time. And I'm just yeah. like, I'm, bro, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you just love cooking food. Go cook food. Who cares about how much, what the margins on the food are? Shut the fuck up. Like, just go make food for six weeks and then let's talk. And I don't know. Like, it's just really obvious to me looking at it like that. But yeah, just don't let the modern day startup media really uh, dictate how you think too much. It's like, think, think for yourself, but use use those things and, and listen to them. Listen to everything. Don't, don't, don't mute anyone. Yeah. Um, they're helpful philosophies, but they're not absolute laws. They're not absolute laws. And that's what people forget. Just because the Airbnb guys did what X, Y, Z doesn't mean you got to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Just because the Stripe people did X, Y, Z doesn't mean you got to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. It doesn't mean it. Exactly. Yeah. So you've built build space. Building is obviously the core to what you do. What does uh, building mean to you? Like, what is this building mindset? I think that I've all, this is very much a selfish thing where I've have, I found so much joy in my life creating things for others. Hmm. And I found so much joy out of doing that. Just like whether it be YouTube videos, whether it be a, a hip hop song that I, I record for fun, or whether it be a company, whether it be a software product, like it's so cool for me to create things and then see other people use it. But more importantly, the process of creating is so fun. Like hmm. the highs you feel of just like, when you when you figure something out, it's like so cool, right? And the lows you feel, they teach you so much about yourself. And that whole process of like going from something that you are passionate about to executing upon it and figuring it out and doing something difficult is extremely worthwhile, hmm. extremely worthwhile. And that is really, what I want to show people, like that's what I want to show them, that this is completely achievable no matter who you are, whether you're 12 or whether you're 65. And it's just a matter of you putting in some work and being consistent with it. And it may teach you something new by yourself and you'll get to work on things that make you feel alive. Like why would it, like, and I'm not saying this will work for every single person ever. You'll try it out. Maybe you just, maybe you just hate it. Maybe you're like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to do this thing. I just want to, I just want to show on the side. You know, that's fine. That's fine. But for the most part, I've seen most people, they're like, they realize a lot about themselves by the end. Yeah. Or even within like a weekend at Build Space. Like Build Space is structured to be, you can enter in, in a single weekend. And in a single weekend, people are like, I went from zero to getting something out there that I thought was super complex. And now I see the whole world differently. Yeah. Like now I realize I can do something. I can make something. And uh, I think for me personally, though, I'm a big fan of a lot of things, a lot of TV shows, a lot of a lot of products, a lot of like, I'm a fan of this of this building that we're in. You know, I'm glad someone built this building. Yeah. And I think that in my eyes, I've always thought about giving back to the world I grew up in, uh, the world that that brought me up. You know, I think as a society, you got to give back to the tribe somehow. You know, you can't just do nothing. Like the tribe gave you something. Like even if it was nothing, even if it was something very minimal, like it still gave you something. Like maybe you should give back to the tribe and the tribe being humans as a whole, you know? 
And in the process, you'll just learn so much about yourself. But that's the main thing for me, I think, built for building. Yeah. And what I love about this notion of building and the way you communicate it in your vision is that when you're building, it's like this beautiful, magical process of creation. It's almost like where you enter these deep flow states yeah. uh, in the process of creating something uh, that you love and is meaningful. And it's it's also the necessary means through which you're able to achieve the end of this dream that you have in mind. Yeah. So. If from that place, it's kind of like just creating the space where those peoples can really, truly create what they love the most. Yeah. Cool. So fun little question from Twitter. A lot of several people um, from Twitter had uh, some questions for you. One of them was from uh, Calyx. He asked, what's been the strategy behind BuildSpade's brand and growth strategy? How have you guys been able to kind of like grow this this beautiful brand and kind of the voice you project? And maybe a subset of this is like, how'd you get your first thousand users? Yeah, it's a, so it's a two-part question there. The first question, or the question of the thousand users, we actually... Um, uh, infiltrated uh, CS clubs at colleges. Hmm. So we went to about 20 CS clubs or 20 schools. We made them all landing pages. So billspace.so slash like Berkeley. And then we'd send them to kids at the school and said, yo, are you in on this? You better be in on this. All the cool kids are in on this. And then um, we would just go kind of like a, a little viral within each, each CS club. So it's like 100, 200 people per school. Or actually every school on average gave us like 20 people, but some schools would give us like 200. And that's actually how we got our first users. We just infiltrated these clubs by making them these landing pages. And they were like, well, what's build space? And I was like, like, are you in build space? They're backed by YC and A16Z. And I was like, <laughs> every, every college kid wants to get in on that, you know? So, and then that's actually how we, how we, how we kind of got, got in touch with a lot of people. Yeah. In the beginning. Um, but just being very honest, you know, just being like, yo, we're building the builders. We're going to bring the builders together at Berkeley. Are you interested? Yes or no? Of course your answer is yes. You know, like you want to get in on that. It's like, I, of course I want to build something cool. Um, everybody wants to create something. No, sorry, not everybody, but many people want to create or have like this kind of notion in their brain of like, oh, what if I actually just go and did that thing that I thought about? What if I did it? That'd be so cool. Um, what if I started that restaurant? What if I made that mango farm? Like, what if I built that piece of software? What if I made that song? Like everybody has this like beautiful vision in their head of themselves if they pursued their dreams. Hmm. And I think that it's about unlocking that, you know? And um, yeah, but in the beginning it was just fucking stupid and simple, just colleges. Yeah. <laughs> Grinding colleges, just like every morning looking at Discord groups. It was yeah. actually Emily at BuildSpace uh, who uh, she did most of that. It was pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's a really smart starting point. Yeah, just ask like for the, your ideal users, where do they hang out? And universities, college science, yeah. computer science students exactly. seems to be a good point. Exactly. And then it seems like the Twitter is kind of like this mechanism through which you're able to project these thoughts and vision that further help cultivate that culture. And it feels like that's been the primary growth uh, mechanism. Yeah, you know, honestly, like it's really just... Twitch, Twitter in the beginning. Yeah. I think picking, we were always hyper specific with our audience too. So it's like when we started, we were hyper specific. We're like, we are building build space for people ages 18 to 22 at US colleges who are interested in getting an internship. Like we, I was, I'm always hyper specific. I'm not trying to go and build shit for people who want to make stuff. You know, like this is, this makes no sense. So always be hyper specific from the start. Um, if, if you can't tell me exactly who you're building, like three, three levels in like 18 to 22, <laughs> even like, you know, what are their interests? Where were they born? Who are they? What's their favorite art? Like you need to tell me, like you'd be able to tell me these things. The whole user persona. Yeah. And you can, you can assume it at the beginning. It's fine. I don't expect you to know, but like, just 
have an idea of what it could be. So for us, it's very, very specific. Honestly, imagine we try to build bill space and we're like after going after developers. <laughs> what the fuck? So am I going to market to Google now? Like, what does this mean? Am I trying to get Airbnb employees on this? The fuck is going on? So it's like you want to be very specific because the focus is everything. And uh, when the team is that small, like you can only make so many moves. <laughs> so you want to make the right moves. And in terms of brand, man, I think what's beautiful there is, I guess one, there is me. That helps. I'm very, very particular about the channels in which I'm heard. Hmm. So like I, there's a reason I, I almost do zero interviews. I do zero zero uh, magazine shit or like blogs or anything because anywhere the world, the word built space or Farza is mentioned, I know that that's associated with the company and it better be in a spot that is really, really, really cool. Hmm. Otherwise it's a waste of my time. So like in the beginning I was like, why the fuck would I get this random newsletter to talk about me? Like, <laughs> are they in the top 10 newsletters right now? No. So I don't want to, why would I waste my time right now? Like my brains are probably better spent somewhere else. So with me, I was, I've always been ultra particular about where Build Space is talked about and how. So that's why I owe it. When we started, I did it a lot on live streams. I would do it myself on mm -hmm. Twitch in front of thousands every weekend. And what's more specific than that? What's more targeted than that? You can't, I was always so afraid of people getting my message wrong um, somewhere, always. So I was like, if TechCrunch wrote about me, if TechCrunch wrote, wrote about me, are they gonna fuck my message? I don't know. I don't know the reporter, but like I won't mess up my message. And even if I do, there's a chance I can I can fix it right there. So I would do it myself live every weekend, train just over and over and over. And then on Twitter, again, very specific. I'm very targeted with how I talk online. Like it's none of it's for fun for me. This is like this is work, you know, like this is this is this is the game I'm playing. And it's very fun for me. It's very fun for me to play the game. I love it. But um, yeah, don't make no mistake. Every single word that you see come out of me or build space. It is hyper, hyper particular. And we've never stopped being that particular about every word. From the beginning, even like the support emails. I remember I got mad at one of our, uh, one of my coworkers. I was like, why did you reply as if you work at Google? Like, why did you reply like a corporate? Like, hello, so sorry, but we cannot answer, fix this at this time. Thank you. I was like, okay, AI. Yeah, I was like, how could you do this? Like, this is not how we speak even at the company. Why are you speaking like this to a user? Like all lowercase, like just like talk like you're talking to a friend. Like it's it's fine. So again, like it's very it's being very particular. Like this is what I am oh what I've always what I've always made sure about. Um even just like you just like it sounds so dumb, but like the aesthetics of like how a tweet looks on mobile and desktop is different. So it's like the aesthetics need to fit desktop and mobile, like how the sentence length is, right? Build space does not do more than two sentences on Twitter in a row, hmm. ever. Like two lines. Yeah. If it's two lines. That's not. That's not us. Not, I'm not doing it. Don't let it be more than two lines. Wow. <laughs> Even my own tweets. If it's more than two lines, it better be a good fucking reason that it's two lines. Because I don't like more than two lines. But again, it's about being that particular. Even wow. with our emails, like how do we sign off on them? Like, and again, in the beginning, this may not matter because you have ten people on your product, right? Or you have five people on it, but. I'll be honest with you, it matters because people will recognize it if you do it long enough. And I think people recognize it for us, you know? Yeah. For sure. And I feel like the importance likely depends on the nature of the product. For your product, so much of it is the culture you're creating, the community. And so I feel like it matters even more in that sense. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, you, awesome. You just got to be so, you got to be so particular about it because it could easily turn into a waste of time. Yes. So it's like a balance, right? If you're like a founder listening to this, just like, 
I've always been good at balancing it. Actually, I haven't always been good at it, but I've gotten a lot better at balancing it where it's like, you know, you got to spend some time on how the, the, the tweet looks, but then also the real problem, which is your growth engine, right? Like both need to be looked at at the same time. Yeah, that makes sense. Last few questions for you, Farzam. So you raised 10 million recently from A16Z um, and a lot of other crazy people. Founder Zinc, Mr. Furcon has been day one believer in you. Um, Somehow. Some <laughs> Furcon story is crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that guy's crazy. And um, Gary V, Velaji, a lot of cool people. How does this feel to you? And like, how, like, how was this process for you and the, the friction around that? Uh, friction around what? It's like raising. like raising, yeah, yeah. It seems like maybe it was uh, like I would have thought like it's probably like easy. Oh, we have like good traction, we have like good numbers. Um, but in reality, even you mentioned um in your eleven eleven reveal, like it still wasn't easy. Uh, you know, I'm very specific in terms of how I operate. I always want to be in a situation where I do something where it just makes sense. Like I don't need to push too hard. Like it just makes sense. So for raising money, I didn't send out a single cold email. I've never sent out a single cold email for raising money from the beginning of my entire career. Like, but here I am having raised all this money, right? Like I truly believe that if you create value and you tell the world about it, people will just come to you. Um, and that's always been my mentality from the beginning, especially with raising money. So it's like raising $10 million is very hard, but what's, what made it easier is that I had a cool product. I had thousands of people that were going through it every single week. Like I had something, right? Um, which made it much, much easier. But again, I can't imagine doing that with like an, just nothing. <laughs> like that'd be crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, you, you gotta, I learned so much raising money too. Like you have to, I, I have to, you get so good at learning how to like pitch. <laughs> yeah, um, it's the core. Yeah, it was a, an intense month and a half. That's for sure. Yeah. A very intense month and a half. Yeah, a lot of lessons, a lot of wisdom. Yeah, shit's not easy. Yeah, just make sure if you're cold emailing or if you're like trying to raise money, like try, like I would really think about how do you get the people to come to you? Um, you probably want to get in, maybe you want like, I don't know, Gary Vee to invest in you. That's fine. How do you get Gary Vee to notice you? For you, was that Twitter or like how would you get people to come to you? So for me, um, I never tried to, if you get the right people to notice you in the beginning, it's easy for then, then after that, for them to refer you to other people. Very easy. Mm. So like in the beginning, I actually got, uh, again, Furcon. And then I got, I'm, I'm blanking on the first two, but there was a very particular first two who then just passed me over to other people from there. Oh, sorry. The first two was A16Z and Furcon. So once I got A16Z, I knew the rest would fall, would fall in place. But A16Z itself was tough, right? Like they're an intense firm. <laughs> like you gotta get your, you gotta have your shit together before you even approach them, right? But, um, but yeah, even before, like my first round I ever did, right? For Zip School, the 2.2, I didn't know A16Z. I didn't DM them. They DM me. I had like 800 followers on Twitter or a thousand followers on Twitter. And I was just talking about the Zip School thing. And then Anne from A16Z hits me up and says, hey, Farza, we'd love to get in a chat. From there, three months later, here I am raising $2 million. Like, it's crazy, right? But mm. that is how it works. You put enough good shit out into the world. So people, the right people will notice as long as you let them notice. So yeah try to do that yeah you got to be consistent over time and i always think also like build your network before you need it i think that's kind of like the inbound marketing here of like just build that reputation and uh that will help a lot when you actually start fundraising the best network you can have is uh 
the best way to build a network is by building something that people love or they're building something that you love that other people love as well. That's true. That's, that, that also, there's no better way. <laughs> that is also the harder thing to do in my opinion. It is. It is. <laughs> so you got to leverage what you can do, but cool. Some final rapid fire questions. These are all from Twitter. So pretty fun. This one's from uh, Emmanuel. Yeah, this one's a little personal, but he asked, uh, what's your favorite color? Damn. <laughs> it's changed, man. I think it's yellow now. Okay, cool. Um, this is from Farha, your founding business developer. Sure. Spoiler alert for Naruto, by the way. He asks, um, how did you feel when Payne deleted Jiraiya from the Naruto-verse? That is the last time that I remember actually sobbing for like five <laughs> to ten minutes straight. Like, I don't cry. I cry, right? But it's usually like end over in like a minute. But I never straight up cried for like five minutes straight like that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was emotional. I still remember where I, I was like in my apartment in Orlando. Like I was deeply moved. Woo. Glad you you overcame that one. Dude, yeah. <laughs> okay. And final one. Vajasa is wondering where he can find your chai recipe. My chai recipe? Yo. One uh, black tea pouch, two cardamoms, stick of cinnamon, milk. Boil the milk. Add in the chai. Boil it again. Let it sit serve holy shit you're a magician <laughs> i got you bro all right and final question for you um so i usually ask it in this way i'll i'll say but i think i have a better version for you that you'll resonate with more well so i usually ask what is the vision for who you want to become and what you want to create achieve and give in your life for you though i feel like the better question is BuildSpace is about, BuildSpace helps you climb your mountain, whatever your mountain is. What is your mountain? Shit, that's a, that's a tough one. I think my mountain is really just finding happiness, finding the right balance of how I can find happiness from creating and the relationships that I have. Like, I think that's my current mountain. And hmm. I think if I balance those two things, which is my love for creating things that grow. Because at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm out here trying to build a massive company, right? And when you get funded $10 million at a $100 million valuation, like they're ex you're expected to go like the distance, right? So first of all, I'm taking this shit seriously. I know that I, not only that I have to build a big company, but that I will given enough time spent, right? And hopefully this money lets me do that. And so I know I, I, I want to make moves there. But then I know that on the personal side that it's, like relationships are very important with with friends, with partners, with your parents. Mm. And I just think I'm putting a lot more attention on that over like the last year or two. Way more attention. So it's about that balance. I still haven't figured out the balance. Mm. I'm still working on that balance. But I think once I do balance that love for for creating and 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 balance my relationships, I think I'll just be just better in all facets. Yeah, it all integrates. Yeah, like the things I make will be more beautiful. The time I spend with loved ones will be more beautiful. The time I spend with myself will be a lot more, a lot more meaningful. Because at the end of the day, man, I know I could probably die after this podcast. I could just trip and hit my, my you, see that, you see that corner right there next to Johnny? I could probably just hit that corner of that desk right there next to Johnny. And I could just like pass out right there and just die, right? So, oh my God. I know that. Poor Johnny. Yeah, for real. He has to see me, he has to see me perish. So, I don't know. The concept of death rules me constantly. I know that I could die like right after this. So, I try to always, uh, you know, just think about that. And, but yeah, that is, that is my mountain right now, though. 
Yeah. That's my current mountain. I can relate with that. Finding the harmonious integration between work and life and seeing how they mix and don't is not easy. And being consistent about relationships that matter. Yeah. If I want to do this till I'm 85 or whatever, whenever I die, I don't know when I'll die. We'll just call it 85. Um, yeah, that's what I want to do, you know? And to do that, like, I can't just be a grind, a degenerate, you know? Um, being a degenerate can power you when you're 20 to 25, but now I'm, I'm 27 in about two days. So like, I don't know. I, I'm not saying I'm getting old, but I feel like I need to do things differently than when I was 17, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like I, I have different levels of energy. I have different outlooks on life. And um, yeah, I just want to keep doing this till I'm 85, like, or whenever I die. I'm not sure why I'm saying 85, by the way. <laughs> why not 150? Bro, if I could make the choice, I'd be immortal, 100%. But that's a conversation for a different day. <laughs> a lot of people say they wouldn't want to be immortal because there's one specific case, and then we'll, and then we'll call it. Um, <laughs> the case where the earth explodes, and now, because you're immortal, you're floating. You can't die. Are you just floating in space forever? Because that would suck. But like, so there's these edge cases, right? Where I don't want to be floating in space forever. Or you float in space, but in 10,000 years, you will find the next planet, guaranteed. Do you still take that risk? I don't know. I don't know. Would I? That's a really tough question. Well, who 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 will I be at ten thousand years after I'm immortal? You know, like assuming I don't eat food and water. I'm just saying these are the questions. These are the questions. That'd be cool though, because you just get to experience so much more of what it could even mean to be Bro, human or go beyond but human. Ten thousand years floating in space. Oh my God, can you imagine all the dope thoughts you'd have? Can you imagine how <laughs> insane you'd be when you'd land, or not insane, or just woke? I think. You're either the most woke person you've ever been, or you're just like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> please, enough. Yeah, it depends how, how you what you spend all that time thinking about. <laughs> I, take, I take the bet on myself, and and I say that I, after 10,000 years, I'm I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I take the bet. Yeah. Call it hubris. Call it hubris. No, <laughs> I, I will bet on that with For you. Real? You shouldn't bet on that. I'm sorry. Okay. Right. Well, I already bet on crypto, and that didn't go so well, so. Sheesh. <laughs> On that note, where can people follow along your journey? Is Twitter, Farza TV the best or anything else? Yeah, just Google Farza and click all the links. Command click the, te the first 10 links and follow me on all, the, all, all 10 of those. Yeah. By the way, is it Farza TV because you're like an entertainment channel or something? I started it when I was like a kid working on my YouTube channel. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. The TV, the, the content life. The content life, Farza TV. Like and subscribe. Two videos a week. Woo! And you don't make videos anymore? Nah, nah. Long story. Long, long story. All right. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on, Mr. Farza. It was a pleasure. Cool, man. Peace. Cool. As always, be infinite, my friends.